This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day. How am I supposed to stay in a world built on empty ways and the lessons of all the Thanks for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 45, Culinary Wonders of Fish. Something I never thought we would talk about on this podcast. But my co-worker at the shop, Jason, is quite the man behind the grill and the pan and the smoker. So we're going to discuss all things fishing and eating fish, but not catching and eating because some people... Don't like that. So this is mostly fish you can buy from your fishmonger or your store. You all know I don't eat fish, and I recently found out a friend of mine whose parents live and work on an apple orchard. Her mom doesn't like apples, so I'm not the only one that doesn't eat the edible things that are involved in their jobs. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a steel reserve, and let's discuss cooking and eating fish. All right, we are on the other end of Glade Drive in Reston, Virginia, from where I grew up. 
We're on the, the south side of Reston, and it's our first snow day. I have with me uh, a, a high-gravity lager. It's uh, 8.1% steel reserve. So we'll see if I start slurring halfway through. And today, we're going to discuss the culinary wonders of uh, fish, something you probably thought you'd never hear on here. So we have Jason Isaacs. You want to introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. My name is Jason Isaacs. Uh, I work at the fly shop with Rob, and uh, on my free time, I love to cook. I'm always hearing about his culinary exploits. And uh, we can follow you on Instagram where? Uh, you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at J Isaacs Outdoors. That's the letter J Isaacs Outdoors. Fantastic. And you've got some salmon right here that you smoked? Yeah. Uh, right here we have some uh, cream cheese with some capers and uh, cured some salmon and then did a cold smoke with hickory. And it's pretty tasty. I think by the end of the time you're going to be eating some. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. So um, let's get right to it. So, uh, how long have you been cooking? Um, here's the thing. My mom, she was very, very smart. She, she had myself and my younger brother, and she decided by the time we were six, we were both going to be fully domesticated. So, we, we know how to cook. We know how to clean. We vacuum. She always joked that she didn't have to pick up a vacuum sweeper for like 20 years. So, with that came the cooking part. And uh, I really love it. My brother enjoys it as much as I do. Uh, it's a lot of times we'll do is just a way to calm down. You know, at the end of the day, just kind of relax, unwind from work. Uh, so my wife, uh, she loves to cook as well, which is which is awesome because we both love good food. And uh, a lot of times we have lots of projects going on here at the house. You know, in the past month we've um, we've made goat cheese. Uh, we're always making bacon, and uh, what we'll do is we'll cure bacon for about ten days, age it for another ten, and then smoke it with hickory and apple wood. Um, I heard Santa brought you something for slicing bacon. Yes, he did. I had the best in-laws in the world. They got me a meat slicer. And before, when we did the bacon, I mean, I had to take like a bread knife to cut this stuff because, you know, it's pretty big. So I'm in there with a bread knife. I have no idea. (laughs) Bread knife's huge. It's the only way to cut through all this bacon. So what we would do is cut the stuff up, but you couldn't get it very thin. So, I mean, I was putting out these these pieces of bacon that were like three-eighths of an inch thick. So I was calling them bacon steaks for a while. But now that we have a meat slicer, we're playing around with the uh, the thickness of them. So we're going to have some thin slice, going to have some thick slice, and uh, we're figuring all the different ways you can use as well. It's awesome. And I'm going to look out the window. What do you smoke them on? Uh, right. If you see there on the left, just have a regular charcoal smoker. And I actually use that when I'm cold smoking. So what I'll do is I'll only take about four pieces of charcoal, and I'll put one lump of uh, hickory or apple in there. And that'll burn for about an hour and a half. The trick with cold smoking is you don't only get the, the temperature above 80 degrees of the meat. Uh, so you're trying your best not to cook it at all. Um, and then on the right, the one that looks like R2-D2, that little droid smoker. Right, right. Um, that's the one I use for everything else. Use that for barbecue, use it for bacon. And with that, you're getting a hot smoke. So you're getting the temperature up to a safe cooking temperature. If um, it was yellow, it would look like a minion because it's got the... Uh... It's got like Good a big eye on the front. The front. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw one of those on the internet the other day. Someone had taken a smoker <laughs> and, and turned it into a minion. Uh, but yeah, with the hot smoker, that's what we use for, for barbecue. Um, that's what we use when we do the bacon. Uh, we like to be really safe with that bacon. It's been cured for so long, it's safe. And then when we smoke it, we just hot smoke it to be on the safe side. Because uh, we don't use any nitrites or nitrates or preservatives or anything. So There's nothing wrong with any of that, but this is just the way that we want to do it. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, we do goat cheese. We do uh, bacon. Uh, we've recently gotten into making duck prosciutto. Um, duck prosciutto is actually it's a Jewish dish. Uh, they think it came out of Italy uh, where a lot of Jews wouldn't eat the, the ham prosciutto, so they would substitute duck instead. 
and it only takes a week to make it. You cure it for two days, let it hang for a week. It's got that cool stuff that hangs down in the fridge. Are you going down to Lake Audubon and getting some mallards? No, I don't think I'm allowed to say if I am. No, there was the a uh, there was a red-bellied whistling duck there for a summer. The thing really? was like this tall. Holy you can't cow. see people, but it was enormous. People were coming from all over to see it. It's from like New Orleans. It got blown off course somehow. No way. It looked tasty. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, one of my roommates one time he told me the best way to get back to someone if you ever went there or did something to you was to call like the National Audubon Society or some national bird watcher society and report a rare bird sighting in someone's backyard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he said people will come from everywhere. I always thought backyard. the worst thing you could do was take the old styrofoam fill from the Orvis dog beds and dump uh-huh. a bag of that out in someone's room. Oh but my gosh. yeah, that'd be funny. No, there were people <laughs> lined up all over like the boat ramp area. I was sh- like shuttling it with my canoe to go see it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I hope nothing happened to it. Uh, <laughs> some guy was feeding him corn. Maybe that's why he fattened him up. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today? Uh, let's talk about uh, cooking fish. Um, a lot of us like to go out there and catch fish, but you know, do we want to take the next step? You know, Sometimes it's fun to take some of that stuff home. You know, Depending on the streams that uh, you're catching it and the species, you may or may not want to leave them. Uh, but for those that we do, let's uh, talk about some different ways to prepare them. And... Um, if, you, if you're out there and you don't catch anything, it's just as easy to go by the grocery store, pick something up, and that can be your catch of the day. I was trying to offer blue catfish to the restaurant I was at yesterday, Pops in D.C., mm-hmm. but he said he gets them from Pro Fish. I was like, I'll give them you for free, but... <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I mean, the grocery store can be a jungle, so, I mean, it's pretty much just pretty dangerous getting over there and out sometimes. Uh, no, let's talk about some different ways you can make fish. Before we do that, um, let's talk about why people don't like fish. I think fish gets a bad rap sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it conjures up these ideas of uh, lutefisk. Are you familiar with lutefisk? That's the stinky one in the can? Yeah. The more bulges in the can, the better? Oh, it's horrible. Um, what it was is these Swedish Vikings, or wherever Vikings are from, they'd take um, all this fish, lutefisk, and then they would uh, cure it in lye. And then they would bury it in the ground and stack up rocks on top of it. And the whole idea was if you were dying and you had nothing else to eat and you wanted to stay alive, you would eat lutefisk. And that's pretty much what most people think the, the best use for lutefisk. I remember Andrew Zimmer was on the roof of the House of Sweden in D.C. and got some of it on him. And he wasn't too pleased. <laughs> no. The funny part is my grandma loved it. I grew up on that stuff. Uh, we're Swedish. My grandma, every year, she'd make glug, uh, she'd make those little crescent cookies, whatever those things are, dipped in powdered sugar, and lutefisk. And uh, we grew up in Cincinnati, so there was not a whole lot of places to get this stuff. So she found, like, the one deli that would bring, bring it in in December, and you'd have to call ahead, get your order, she'd go downtown, pick it up. It was only, like, us and, like, three other families. No one else wanted to eat this stuff. Uh, so she'd bring it home, and we would eat lye-cured fish. And... You know, we have that's not really a tradition we've kept up. My brother loves it. He loves this stuff. But you know, we 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 uh, we prepare other things. I remember <laughs> we, we would have gefilte fish from the jar on Passover as a kid, and I don't know. That was about the only fish we ever had in our house. I guess because it was pickled and brined. But yeah, I, I stopped eating that when I was like seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the other thing is people think fish smells fishy, and. You know, if your idea of eating fish was fish sticks or something that's been sitting out too long, yeah, that's going to be the case. But good fish should not smell fishy. It should have 
very little scent. And I know from watching TV, a clear eye. Yeah, clear eyes are good. Once they start to get milky and clouded over, that's when you know that you're aging. Looking like Bill Cosby. Well, it's the only time that they start coming on sale at Safeway. So you know, <laughs> if it's fifty percent off, I'll eat some uh, some fish that's a little smoky or or a little old or a little clouded over. But yeah, good fish shouldn't smell. And the funny part is, uh, I don't really want we won't really get into sushi or anything. But some sushi fish is actually frozen, and what they'll do is thaw it very slowly to bring it back, and then they'll prepare it. So it's not just because a fish is aged doesn't mean it's going to smell. Doesn't mean it's, it's breaking down. But there's just so many different ways to prepare fish that you know, it's just a few of them. Uh, I think another reason uh, people don't really dig fish that much is for the longest time, like if you look at a generation older than us, is availability. You know, a lot of people, especially in in Middle America, they didn't have access to to seafood or to fish unless it was you know came out of a local pond. So. A lot of people's idea of really good seafood became red lobster. That was their really their only exposure to it. Now that you know you can get fresh fish just about anywhere, uh, I think some older people just never really warmed up to it. Never kind of got incorporated into their their diet and their menu, so they just kind of looked it over. But I see a whole lot of people, the whole local food thing, you know, that's really changing people's minds about what to eat and trying to find local stuff. But uh, for a long time, you know, people just they, they hadn't had seafood. They hadn't had a lot of fish, so they didn't, they didn't really know what to expect. I was never exposed to anything other than gefilte fish. There was never mm-hmm. salmon in our house. I guess we had tuna, but I guess tuna my dad never considered a fish because you got it in like a deli, right? So uh, or it came in the little catfish cans. You're like, yeah. Look, if we if we need to eat cat food, I'll eat it. But if we don't need to, I'm leaving that stuff on. Yeah. The so I, that's why I never, and then just like I was never exposed to shellfish, so I go to eat a scallop when I'm in my 20s, mm-hmm. and my throat starts closing up. I had no idea <laughs> I was allergic really? to shellfish. <laughs> Took yeah. you that long to figure out. I had out. no idea. Well, that brings up another thing. A lot of people wonder if fish is safe. You know, is it um, eating raw fish? You know, some people are concerned, uh, just like eating like raw chicken or something else. The cool part about uh, fish, I don't think a lot of people realize, is well, number one, it's usually overcooked. You know, most people when they eat fish, because people are so concerned about making sure it's safe, number one, it's dry. Number two, it's overcooked and it, it's bland. It takes a lot of flavor out of it. You can actually serve fish medium or medium rare. And that all has to do with the temperature. A lot of times it's like around 120 degrees, but you don't really need to measure your fish when you're eating. You can usually do it by sight. Any difference between fresh and saltwater fish in that? Um, not that I've heard, you know, I don't know. There's some difference between like high, uh, fatty fish, like salmon, um, real lean fish, like a bluegill, um, that fatty stuff, um, it's actually called albumin. It's okay. Mm-hmm. If you're really, it's what part of an egg. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a biology guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the, the, the thing about cooking fish is there's so little connective tissue compared to, to meat that the, the cooking temperature or the, the cooking time is so short that people usually overcook it. By the time you're cooking, say, salmon, and you see that albumin, that white stuff coming up, it, it's probably been on there too long. It's the connective tissue that's, that's coming to the top. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they say the trick a lot of times is to take a fork and kind of go backwards on the fish, and if it starts to flake, when it's starting to flake is when it's ready. If it's already flaking big time, it might already be a little bit dry, but it's when it starts to flake that you know. Just like the rest of the podcast, I'm gonna take your word on it. All right, all right. But I always tell people, it's kind of like brushing a cat backwards. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you take that fork, slide it back, and then once you start to see it kind of flake up, that's when you know it's good. 
here and there. Oh, but right. yeah, um, other types of fish, people were, you know, is sushi really safe? Is ceviche safe? Uh, for anyone who's wondering what ceviche is, that's where you, you cook it in uh, citric acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would take it, leave it out. I, actually, I've never tried it, so I don't know how, how long to do it. Uh, but you, you basically cook it in the citric acid instead of heat or with, or with salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people say, is that really safe? And a lot of people don't really want to try it. I mean, some of this food stuff, it's an adventure. I mean, I remember the first time I tried oysters or clams, I actually tried it at home, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I know in my head this is safe, but I've never done it before. I'm sure this thing is really prepared. I mean, it's, it's a bit of an adventure when you, you try new things. What about you? Do you there, there are there certain types of fish you do like, or I don't think any. I don't. When I catch a fish, mm-hmm. I don't see like a slice of it on a plate with a sprig of dill and a lemon wedge. I just want a picture to remember it and mm-hmm. the satisfaction of I caught it on what, and I toss it back. I have honestly no interest. If I was stranded on an island or like broken down somewhere, and I had nothing else to eat, I'd probably eat a fish, but. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not my first go-to food source. Sure. Uh, well, I think the most important reason to learn how to cook, especially cook fish or anything, is it's a good way to meet a woman. That is your number one priority. Um, food is very important in helping me meet my wife. Uh, As mine. It wasn't really? Did you cook for her? Or? I made her dinner and, and she basically never left. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, check this out. Uh, we met actually on on. On social media. It's kind of crazy. I was living in Tennessee. She's living up here in Northern Virginia. So we dated long distance for a long time. I figured I, there's some way I've got to get this girl's attention. Uh, so one day she actually posted something to Twitter or something she had cooked. And it, it, that was back when you could still post pictures of food to Facebook and Twitter. It was okay. It hadn't all migrated over to Instagram yet. Uh, so she had posted this. I was like, I got to have some kind of retort. I got to have some way to kind of, you know, throw down the gauntlet and, and respond to her. So I'd actually been out fishing that day, and I'd caught some rainbow trout. And I was like, all right, I'm going to prepare the stuff. Now, you got to keep in mind, I'm a bachelor at this point. I'm living alone. It's me and my dog. i got a Siberian Husky, uh, Kinley. She's probably about 11 or 12 at the time. And I was like, I don't have a lot of fancy stuff, but i got to make a good impression. So I was trying to figure out how to cook it. Uh, I made up some, uh, I made up the rainbow trout. I made up, like, some rice and some... You know, other foo-foo, stuff like that. Then it came time to serve it. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I mean, at the time, I was I was living in my place. I was eating at a picnic table for a kitchen table. You know? awesome. <laughs> I was like, I can't put it there. So I found, like, this uh, end table that I had that was, like, wood grain. I was like, it looked good on that. Doing, like, a magazine shoot, basically? Exactly. Now, I- here's, here's a little bit of Orvis trivia for you. George mm-hmm. once worked for Martha Stewart as, uh, I think, a food photographer. Really? And I think she was so crazy that he's like, F this, I quit. Oh, my gosh. That, that totally just came back to me from like 15 years ago. Really? You have to bring that up at the store this week. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how to present this food to make it look good. Um, so I go to plate it. I'm like, wait, I don't have any plates. I'm like, I got like everything with like the old kind of gold print on it and everything. Nothing looks good. So I wasn't ju- paper plates, not no, that bachelor. No, not that bad. So I jump in the car, go down to the grocery store, and I buy like a pack of plates and head back to the house. And I bought like a pack of plastic ones that were clear. I was like, clear? Looks like glass. It'd be great. Uh, so I dish up the food and go to pour like a glass of wine to make it look official. I have like this, I have like one inch left of wine in the bottle. So I'm like, what am I going to do? 
So I just go over, it's white wine, she's not gonna know the difference. I turn on the water, fill up the glass with, <laughs> with water, set it out there. And uh, so I'm feeling pretty good, got everything all set. Keep in mind this is an end table, so I gotta keep it away from the dog. Go take a picture, guess what? Dog ate it. Batteries were dead in my camera. <laughs> now, this is like one of those old digital cameras. So it took like four AA batteries. I'm like, what in the world am I gonna do? This dog's gonna eat this food. I've been spending like the whole afternoon getting this ready. You can't sketch it. Are you an artist? No, not at all. So I put the dog in the car. We go to back to the grocery store. I pick up the batteries, come home, finally take a picture of it. By this time, and I, I've told my wife this story since then. Like, so basically what I took a picture of was cold fish with a glass, half wine, half water, and it was on a plastic plate. But you know what? It worked. She was impressed. The mysticism. She, she couldn't tell that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So you could have been one of those, like, people that did Elmer's glue and the milk and mashed potatoes full of, like, what are these, sawdust for these yeah. photo shoots. Uh, I've heard about that, but no, we didn't have to go that far, thankfully. I wouldn't want my dog eating sawdust and Elmer's glue. <laughs> <laughs> she probably would if she had to. But yeah, that really helped uh, helped us meet. So you know, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for cooking, we never would have met. So I credit that and and my dog. Yeah, it's like my wife. Our vacations are, are around eating. Like we start, we talked about doing Charleston when we first met. Mm -hmm. It took like twelve or thirteen years to finally get down there. It was worth it. It's worth the wait. It's funny. We uh, when we got married, we. Uh, our honeymoon was in uh, western Massachusetts, which was so close to Vermont. I didn't take a fly rod. I was committed. Committed to the honeymoon, no fly rod. That took five rods. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you use them? Yeah, she broke one of them. She put the Jeep seat back in the car and I heard snap. I was like, oh. That was an eight weight. <laughs> uh, but my wife, she really wanted to try some like fresh oysters from Rhode Island, of all places. For some reason, she wanted to go to Rhode Island. I was like, all right, it's, you know, it's an extra five hours or so kind of round trip, but I'm like, come on, it's our honeymoon, what's the big deal? So we're in western Massachusetts, and we drive across Massachusetts down to Rhode Island. We're literally right there on the coast at some restaurant that has, like, an oyster farm. You can see where they harvest them all, and we're sitting there eating oysters. It was great. It was great. So food has always been important. Important yeah. to, to meeting my woman, important to, to keeping her. You know, as a kid, I mean, as I was saying, my mom, she taught us all to cook, so... One, we always ate well. And two, like my dad, he's the one that got me into fishing. So he, he's, we were living in Cincinnati, and he'd go up to Lake Erie probably once a year. If it wasn't him, it was guys that he was working with. And, you know, it didn't matter if it was steelhead, if it was walleye, whatever was running, they'd bring it back. So for us, it was normal to have a freezer full of walleye. And, you know, we, we prepared that stuff every way you can. We fried it. We steamed it we pan seared it i mean we did the whole the whole bubba gump variety of ways to prepare fish um but you know growing up that was normal then i realized not everyone has a freezer full of walleye i was a little disappointed for everyone but it's all right my wife talked about eating walleye shore lunches on lake erie growing up also that's right she's from ohio isn't yeah it? yeah yeah it's funny how growing up in ohio we never really thought of it as you know big destination and you know, once you get outside of the, the Great Lakes, there there are less opportunities. But uh, we we do have the the Mad River out in uh, mm -hmm. the, um, the Mad River had trout. They stocked it, and there was like two places that we'd always go. I uh, went to college uh, near there, so we were always up there. And yeah, every once in a while we get up to Lake Erie and get some bigger fish going. You could have fished with Art. Could have. Uh, didn't know him at the time. <laughs> 
He probably wasn't even born. Uh, actually, probably not. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm a little bit older. <laughs> cool. Let's talk about some of the some of the different ways to prepare fish, and let's talk about. I and mean, we're not going to get into like step and step. I mean, that make like really boring radio. Be like, first you lift the pan, and then you turn on the heat. I mean, everyone's going to be turning off. They're turning this thing off if we do it that way. So listeners have some basic culinary understanding. Of- exactly. Exactly. So we'll talk about a few different ways, and then uh, some of the advantages of those, and then just kind of give some tips. So, oh, and before we start, um, if you want, of course, there's a whole bunch of YouTube videos out there. Um, you can check out, you know, your garden variety of those. But the website you got to go to, there's a guy named Hank Shaw, and his his blog is called Hunt, Gather, Cook, and it's www.honest-food.net. I guarantee you, you will spend the rest of the afternoon checking out this website. It's funny you mentioned Art. Told him about it one day because you know he gets into cooking and uh, he likes. He actually knows a lot about gathering food too. Like the, really, yeah. Apparently, I was surprised how much he knows about like Japanese cuisine. With I would call it sushi, and he would immediately like if he was here. He's like, oh, no, I don't eat sushi. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he gets he gets very proper yeah. on the, uh, the etiquette of eating sushi. I, I've eaten sushi with him once, and it was yeah. it was it was an adventure. But no, it's funny. Uh, I told uh, told Ar- for anyone who doesn't, know, Art's a guy who works at the shop with us as well. But um, I told him about the site because I figured he liked it. I just sent it to him as a text. The next day, I get to work. I'm hey, did you check out that website? He's like, man, I was up until two in the morning looking at that website. He spent four hours on wow. it because he does it right. And this guy, he won a James Beard Award. Um, he does it right. He talks about. Uh, game talks about fish, all the different methods. There's lots of recipes on there, and it's it's all very high quality stuff. So definitely recommend it. Two thumbs up. Nice. Um, so you know your your most basic method, of course, is going to be pan searing it. Just getting out the frying pan, uh, putting it, putting the uh, the fish in there with a little bit of oil and heating it up. You don't want to do a whole lot of flip flopping it over because if you do that, you're just going to tear up the meat and you're really going to rough it up. The best way to do is is to keep it the keep the skin side down. And then once you get some oil in there, you can add some butter. And you're going to, you want to keep basting on top of the fish just to keep it moist. That's the trick. That's the trick with game food and with fish is keeping it moist so it doesn't dry out. So you want to use some kind of fat. It can be butter. Of course, it can be bacon. But you want to have something on there that's going to, to keep it moist. And that's because these animals are constantly moving. They don't have the fat of, like, cows that just sit in their own slop all day exactly farm life is easy life so you know if you look at like um even farm raised salmon they're different too because they're they've got more of that connective tissue they got more fat in them you look at like a wild salmon it's just not there because they've been working out i saw some crazy picture i think it was andrea larco posted today and it was a giant tank or like 50 hatchery steelhead and one wild steelhead and on the left was this one wild steelhead like this in the middle, and the entire right side was all the hatchery fish. They were scared of them. <laughs> like these fish were stacked up like cordwood, trying to get away from this one steelhead. Was looking at them like, "Hey, what's up, guys? You want to play?" And they were like, "They didn't recognize them." Yeah, that's funny. Probably didn't smell right, taste right. Yep. Yeah. So now, uh, yeah, pan searing—that's kind of your most basic method. Um, Nonstick pan, Teflon. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You, you know, get that oil on there. They heat up the oil till it kind of swishes around nice and evenly. Put the fish on there. Uh, keep covering. You can cover it. That really helps. Um, and then start basting that that uh, oil or fat, whatever you're using, uh, on top of it and until it's ready. Good rule of thumb. Uh, this really gets into baking fish and and pan searing. It's about 10 minutes per inch of thickness. 
is the cook time. All right. And you want you really want to learn to do it by sight. You know, you can get out the thermometer and stick it in there. But you know, like we we're saying before, when it starts to flake is when it's good, and you'll just start to see a lot of times the color change. And you'll just know by looking at it that fish is ready. And like we said before, if there's any questions, you probably overcooked it. You know, you didn't. It's very rare that people. If you do overcook it, what do you? Do you anything you can do to it? I Man, put a lot of sauce on there. Find your favorite sauce, some mustard, some make some kind of maple syrup glaze, something just to kind of moisten it up. It'll right. be dry. And that's why people don't like fish. So, uh, you know, oven baking, uh, pretty similar. You know, you just leave it, you know, you just leave it in the oven until it's ready. You know, probably 15, 20 minutes. But, uh, some, you know, a lot of people like dill, uh, lemon, whatever it is. Um, a lot of times that's the way I'll do my trout. Um, you can do the whole fish or you can fillet them or skin them. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the trout that you'd be pulling out of any of the, the lakes or, or streams around, you know, in this area... They're not going to be big enough that you can really kind of get in there with the fillet knife and get a whole fillet. So take the whole thing, um, put some oil, put some lemon on there, and some dill, stick it up in 15, 20 minutes. Why do lemon and dill go so well with trout? Because I, when I worked in a restaurant, I was told if it has a lemon, it's a fish garnish. Orange was a chicken garnish. She's like, if you ever get those confused, look at the fruit. Interesting. I have no idea. I just know it tastes good. Just, they, just, they just go well together. <laughs> if someone figured it out... A long time um, ago. Well, it's kind of funny. I never really thought about it. You need, a lot of times, a good dish is something that mixes all the different flavors. You know, you got sweet, you got salty, you got bitter, you got the other one, whatever it is, and umami. If you want to incorporate that, that term is thrown around by my wife more often than you can imagine. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, so if you have something that's sweet, uh, you know, put a little sugar in there, put a little salt in there. Something better would be the the lemon juice, uh, and then the fish is going to be kind of your 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 savory. That's kind of a well-rounded thing. I guess that, you know, if you put orange on there, they get awful sweet. So I don't know. Never really tr- hey, try it. I don't know. It might be good. Um, so pan searing, and then you got uh, oven baked, foil wrapped. You told me about a method I'd never heard about. Do you remember that one? Dishwasher. Dishwasher. I forget. Chef Bob something. And I heard it first on NPR, and then I saw him on, like, the, the Food Network back when mm-hmm. they actually cooked. You can cook salmon in your dishwasher. Well, do you do you put soap in there? No, you, you, just, you just run it. I think he had plates in there also, so you could have a hot plate to serve it on. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's kind of like the foil wrap method. You know, you um, I guess you're steaming it rather than mm-hmm. using like a direct or conductive heat. Yeah. I guess that would work. Um, I can't tell you I'm going to try it, but anyone out there that wants to give it a shot, let us know how it goes and. <laughs> We may add it to our repertoire. If you, you get know. sick, it's it's not on us, and and of course not on on uh, Orvis's because we're we're just employees. We're not the voice of Orvis. That's Tom Rosenbauer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're not recommended, but we'd love to hear about how it goes if you try it. So if you get sick, I'm sorry, but if it works out great, man, let us know and we'll uh, we'll give you all the credit. Yes. Uh, the foil wrap's great because it's self-contained. You know, you're just putting all that stuff in there, and it, for the most part, it keeps it moist. You know. Now, if we're talking about barbecue, which is my first love, you know, I don't, I don't use foil on a barbecue. I use butcher paper. I wrap it up in butcher paper. I think foil wraps up in a barbecue. But when it comes to fish, I'd be willing to do it because I'm applying it to the heat, and I want the heat to come. come Brand out. preference for foil? No, no. Keep the glossy side inside, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, shiny side inside. 
but that's, an, that's a great way if you're doing like a whole fish cook is to, you know, put in those citrus slices, put in your spices. And especially if you're cooking the whole fish and all you've done is take a slice through the bottom of the fish, you stuff that stuff up in there uh, and let it go. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a great way to do it. Um, something a lot of people overlook is the cheeks. Like if you look up by the gills, that that cheek meat, man, it's some good meat. That's what they're always like. Andrew Zimmer. That's the first thing he goes for is because mm-hmm. like looking at the cheeks. Place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with walleye. It's funny. Um, walleye trip. I took up the Lake Erie. Uh, we came back with a whole bunch of them, and the guys like, hey, does anyone want these cheeks? Because you know everyone, everyone wanted the fillets. So we just had this whole pile of cheeks, and like, yeah, we'll take them. Nice. And, uh, yeah, they included it and didn't charge us for them, so they're good. Very tender, and that's like kind of the chef's portion. You know, you can cook that stuff up, eat it on the side. No one's going to notice. Take a bite out a piece of fillet. Everyone's going to wonder right. what's going on. <laughs> now that's where the pelican got it. Exactly. Uh, the craziest method is it's uh, it's called salt baked. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. And there's also there's ones very similar to it. It's called a clay baked. Mm-hmm. We actually take. I'll, I'll just talk about salt, and you can substitute clay in your mind. Um, you would take like a pan. Lay down a bed of salt. You put the fish right on top of it. Stuff it with whatever, whatever you want to. And then you take egg whites and salt. And you mix them up. And then you just make a mound of salt over top of this. Thing. Kosher salt? Yeah, you... usually kosher salt. Or, um, yeah, use kosher salt or sea salt, something like that. And then you put it in the oven. And then once you bring it out, it's just this big mound of, like, cake salt. You can, like, knock on it like it's a brick or something. Then you gotta break open the salt, and then you look inside, and this stuff is so tender. It's amazing. So when you want to impress a woman, that's probably the way to go. Exactly. You just want to. You could. With, oh, this is a cool step. I learned this from Francis Mallman. There'd be another name to Google if you ever um, want to look more kind of cooking methods. He's a guy from uh, Argentina, and all he does is cook with open flame. Usually, what he does is cook with like wild game meat and stuff like that. He's got some really cool methods, but he'll do this with clay. And then once you open it up and you take a look at it, you can just take like a knife or a fork and you take the skin and you just roll that skin onto your north, uh, your knife or your fork and roll it back. And all that meat is so tender. It's amazing. I haven't tried the, the clay method. Uh, as you can imagine, that probably comes out less salty. Yeah. There's, um, the creeks around here have got a lot of clay in them. Yeah, I don't know what they use. <laughs> they probably <laughs> <laughs> we used to call it the clay pits at rest and day camp. You'd go out and you'd just have mud fights, and then your parents would pick you up, and they're just like, "What the f did, went on today?" Because <laughs> your your clothes would be ruined. Yeah, the creeks like right around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you can imagine, with that salt baked stuff, it's salty. So you really got to pair it well with like a dry wine, or you got to find something um, to offset some of that stuff because it's it's pretty salty. And then once you're done, you throw the salt out. can't be reused. Yeah, you just throw it all out. So you're, you're using a lot of stuff for a good, nice visual presentation. But it looks cool when you get done. Um, yeah, the other method to talk about is curing fish. That's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, like we talked about before, I love the cure meats. Whether it's bacon or uh, like the duck prosciutto. It's really simple. And at first it can seem real intimidating because we don't. You know, not a lot of people cure fish or meat at home. So at first, this is definitely one of those adventure steps. Check out some uh, some step by step step by step instructions. Read a few articles about it. Well, it's really easy. And the funny part is, you know, that's why people have prepared meat for hundreds of years, for thousands of years going back. It wasn't until World War II that we really started getting refrigerators in the home, and that became what was normal. 
Um, so where I think it gets really cool to do this stuff is taking a look at a lot of these old methods, the way people uh, cooked their fish and, and meats and prepared them that way, and they are delicious. And I think we're, we're at an interesting point of history where there's a scarcity of good food that traditionally poor people had available to them, whether it be Appalachian, whether it be people living in coastal areas that you know had the, their subsistence farmers or gatherers, people that had really quality ingredients and good food, but food that today rich people would spend a lot of money to have. And when you get like, like lobster too, back in the day was prisoner food. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. It was like up in Boston or yeah. Cape Cod area. Like here's your lobster. Have it fun. Was, yeah, it's called like the varmint of the sea or something like that. I can't imagine being in prison and sitting there eating lobster every day, you know. So it's funny. My question, what I love about asking about food is what is scarce right now? Find those local quality, really good ingredients that are available to people that couldn't afford them otherwise. And then figure out which things people will spend a lot of money to have. And then we get the intersection of those two. You're going to have some good food. Um, so cured, cured salmon is a good example. Uh, or or trout, you know. Let's talk about salmon. You go you go get a piece of salmon. Uh, go to the grocery store. You pay maybe ten bucks for a fillet, something like that. Bring it home, cure it right, smoke it a little bit. That stuff's like thirty five dollars a pound. And all you have to do is add a little thyme, add a little salt, and add a little smoke to it. And figuring out what things like that really enhance your food and the flavors. They don't take a it doesn't take a lot of you know active work. It's a lot of passive you know, passive work, just letting time do its thing. Mm -hmm. So um, what is the, what does curing do to the actual meat? Is that like dry aging beef? Yeah. Well, the way I understand it is you're basically replacing the moisture content with salt content. So the salt will impregnate the meat and it displaces the water. The water comes out, replaces the salt, and that's what keeps it from spoiling right. or going bad. I'm sure there's someone out there listening right now who has a much more precise and scientific answer, but all I know is you put salt on it and it tastes yeah. good. Nothing, really, <laughs> nothing grows in salt. No. Then when I worked at the cheese shop, people we had a tester for truffle salt, mm -hmm. and people would be like, what do I do? I'm like, just take a pinch. It's not like your dirty fingers are going to cause anything to grow in there. It's salt. Mm -hmm. Like Napoleon salting the fields in, in Russia. Nothing's going to grow there again. No, no. Um... Yeah, you take like a piece of salmon and carry it. You only have to do it like two or three days. Uh, just stick it in your fridge. Um, then when you get done, you can take it out. And that's Gravlox right there. Um, you can eat it just like that. It's a little salty, so kind of like I did with our dish today. Uh, I mixed it with some cream cheese and some capers kind of offset some of that saltiness. It's delish. But My wife would be all over that. Maybe, maybe you should take it home. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but you can put that in salads. You can eat it on its own, put it on crackers. Delicious. Thank Bagel. Bagel, definitely. I was telling Jason the Herndon Bagel Cafe is so close to him. You got to take advantage of that. We're gonna have to check it out. Yes. That's on our short list now. Um, but yeah, put it on a smoker. Um, when you, when I'm doing cured fish, I'll do the small cold smoke, which is what we were talking about earlier. Cold smoke, you keep the temperature below 80 degrees of, of the meat, and that way it's not cooking it; it's just adding that flavor to it. And you only need to leave fish on for like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, just you do much longer, it's going to be really, really smoky. You're not you're not going to pick up as much of the flavor of, of the other stuff. Um, but yeah, that stuff is it's delicious and it's not hard to do. Uh, it's good, you know, if you're having company over, um, 
you know, food tastes better that you made. You know, there's a little story to it. And you can tell people, well, we made this and we, you know, took these steps and people love that stuff. So my father-in-law in Colorado, he catches all these trout and I guess he like cures them like you're talking mm-hmm. about, drives them back to Ohio and has people over and they are so amazed that they're eating Rocky Mountain rainbow trout Yeah, that he caught. They're freaked out though because he keeps the head on. I guess a lot of people don't like that, but people like, their their guests go absolutely ape ass. Yeah, because it's stuff, again, it's stuff that, you know, if you lived out, um, you know, if you're a poorer person that lived out in, I don't know, wilderness, wherever, or if you lived in the Appalachian area in the 1800s, that's all you had around you. You had you had fish, you had access to, to good hogs, things like that. That's stuff now that we consider delicious. They thought it was normal. Uh, now if you get people who live in metropolitan areas or urban areas, they have no concept of that. You know, a lot of food just comes from grocery store, mm-hmm. and they're, they're willing to pay for that good stuff. Uh, but they don't they don't know a whole lot about it and trying some of that stuff it, it's unusual for them you just find people love it do you have uh so we live in the people's republic of northern virginia as some of the kids call do you have a, a fishmonger you prefer to go to a market versus a grocery store i usually just go to whole foods um the whole foods we have in fairfax it is huge yeah. i mean they've got a they've got a smoker in there they've got uh, the oyster bar and they got everything in the world in there so that's pretty much the only place that we need to go. I've checked out some of the other ones. You know, uh, Red was it Red Apron Butcher. Yeah, they Nate, have some good Nathan stuff. Nathan Ando. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they have fish, but uh, they have really they have high quality pork. Um, but we could do a whole another podcast. Don't worry, we won't about making bacon. But uh, you get into different varieties of pork, and they have good stuff that's available there. Um, Organic Butcher in uh, McLean. They have mm-hmm. a lot of really good stuff. Um, in fact, my wife and I will go there about once a year. This is the cool thing about buying food as gifts, is it's a gift I can give three times. So typically for her birthday or Christmas or something, I'll go over there and I'll get, like last time we got uh, some ground antelope, we got a rabbit, and we got elk ribs or something. I don't remember what it was. So I don't tell her what I'm getting, and then I give it to her as a gift, and it's a complete surprise. Um, oh, and wild boar shoulder is another thing we got. So she doesn't know what she's getting, she opens it up, wow, cool. Uh, you got me boar shoulder, you got me elk, you got me ground antelope. We're both sitting there like, I have no idea what we're going to do with this. But it's fun. It's Iron something that's un- unusual. And then we'll put it in the freezer. And, you know, we'll let it sit there for six months or so. Because that whole time we're sitting there thinking about, ooh, we got that stuff in the freezer. How are we going to prepare it? You know, every once in a while we'll check out different articles about, you know, how to prepare it. And, hey, what do you think about this one? So we're enjoying it the whole time that we're doing that. And then when you finally get to cook it and then eat it, you know, that's the third time that, you know, that gift kind of kicks in. So, we love that. Highly recommend. You'll be driving past that a lot when the Shad come in. Really? Butcher's right on 123. Very nice. Very now, nice. yeah, without going too deep in this, I heard you can't keep any of the Shad, right? Is it just the American Shad you can't keep? Yeah, so American Shad and Hickory Shad you can't keep. The Gizzard Shad, there's no commercial value. I believe it's only the Korean population that takes them. Okay. And I don't even want to, if a client catches one, they get to take it off the hook. Really? They're worse than needlefish. <laughs> um, but there are some other places. So they'll, they'll be, the restaurants up here will start serving Shadrow mm-hmm. in April, but it's usually from Georgia or South Carolina. Um, but yeah, up here, can't eat up. But it's the snakeheads you're going to want. Yeah. That, they're going to be at your feet. Yeah, so we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about snakeheads in this podcast, since we're in Northern Virginia. What, um, do you, do 
Do they serve at restaurants now, or mostly the Asian restaurants? I know that rock, was it Rock Bottom, Rock Bedrock, something Rock Barbecue Joint in Clarendon will have it. They also have like Rattlesnake and I mean, a bunch of other stuff. Did you say it goes for like fifteen, sixteen dollars? Seventeen dollars a pound right now at wow. uh, the market in DC. And the girls, we were at the Y Down yesterday, which is Alex's coffee shop. He's in TPFR, and the girls. So the DC uh, logo is three stars and a couple bars, mm-hmm. and the bars were fish. I was like, that's an awesome hat. <laughs> she works at the fish shop at Union Market, and that's where they're selling them for 17 bucks a pound. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, they're, the population of snake has really gone down the past couple of years, hasn't it? Not yeah, the commercial, the bow hunters are cleaning them out. There's no limit. Okay. So there's a guy, the rumor is there's this one guy quit his job on K Street, puts his kids to bed all summer. And goes out and bow hunts, and he's making six figures. Wow. Wow. Cool. Uh, well, let, let me give a couple other tips yeah. on uh, how to prepare to fish. I can't feel my hands right now from the steel reserve, and I'm not even done with this thing. <laughs> I'd say the, the most important tip is uh, pick your recipe, then pick your species. Uh, a lot of those, you know, you start getting on the internet, start looking at different recipes, you're like, well, I don't have sauger. I don't have walleye. I don't have this or that. Just find something that sounds good. And then use whatever fish you have. You can substitute those out very easily. Um, and then secondly, I'd say learn a couple ways to kind of clean fillet your fish. They're not hard to do. Um, you try once, you know, by the time, by the second or third fish, you'll, you'll pretty much have it down. The first one might look a little mangled, but you'll still be able to get a lot of meat off of it. Um, you know, there's the basic fillet method where you're, you're taking, taking the meat off of the sides. Um, if you do basically whole fish what you're doing is you're starting at the bottom you're cutting down near the vent near the tail and then slicing up the vent being the 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 back door yes yes um never heard it called a vent it's it's the polite way (laughs) (laughs) you take out all the uh the innards um you know once, once that's opened up the rest is really just the bones and the meat so that's really all you have you can leave the skin on you can Take the skin off. Uh, take a pair of scissors. Cut off all the, the different fins. Uh, and then you can decide. You can take the. You can, and then you can just cut the head off. That's basically the easiest way to do it. Um, and then beyond that, if you get into like some of your bigger species, especially salmon, you can do the steaks where you're cutting down the side. So you can do that with snakeheads. My buddy got twenty five of those off of one. Oh my! This goodness. is before we we uh, knew that cast nets were legal. But yeah, this thing came up to breathe. It was about forty inches long. Wow. And he just threw a cast net and we pulled it in. It's, that's when we realized seven hits with a baseball bat to kill them. Oh, my goodness. Seven hits to the skull. <laughs> Get a little graphic here. Yeah. Oh but yeah, he goodness. said he got... We're 20, talking about food. My goodness. 25, <laughs> yeah, 25 steaks off of one snake head. Wow. We'd be eating off of that for a long time. Yeah, and that's probably only a two-year-old fish. Wow. How long do they live? Well, they've only Since been in the river... 12 years now, so who knows? Mm. Well, cool. Do you have any other questions about fish? Your, what are your favorite fish to eat? Favorite fish, favorite freshwater probably would be um, trout or walleye, just because I've had a lot of it. Everyone says walleye is like the best. Yeah, it's really clean. And again, doesn't have like a real fishy taste. There's good meaty taste to it, and you can prepare it just about any way. Uh, salmon. About, no, keep going. I would say salmon is my all-time favorite. I don't know. Is salmon considered saltwater or freshwater? Is it mixed? I don't know how they Both, unless you go to Costco, they'll make up some crazy story. Okay. I, I could eat salmon every single day. I mean, we could bake it. King salmon, silver salmon, uh, preference? I don't. Whatever's available. 
As long as it's not from Pulaski, New York. The Lake Run, Lake Ontario. Yeah, those are... That's a that's a Pacific strand, isn't it? That yeah. They grow. So and they eat, like... They, they were put in to eat the alewives or the smelts. But, yeah, I guess they smoke them just to put flavor, to get rid of the funk. Oh, wow. But you literally have to cook, cover up the funk. No, no. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'll be trying that anytime yeah. soon. Um, it's funny. I'm not a big beef jerky guy, but uh, salmon jerky is really good. And uh, what, Patagonia provisions? Have you had there? No, I haven't. I've, I've heard about those. Those be pretty good. Okay, and you can actually do that. I this is the one time that I will use uh, that like imitation smoke stuff, smoke in a bottle. And there's one brand. I think it's called Edward Edmund, something like that. It's actually pretty good. They take this big. They take this big vat, they fill it all up with smoke, they let it kind of cake onto the sides, and then they'll take some water and wash it off. So the only ingredients that are in there really are the smoke and the water. And then they bottle it. It's not bad. It's, a, it's hickory. Uh, so to make like the salmon candy or salmon jerky, what I'll do is... You know, My wife makes salmon candy. Okay. Yeah, usually brown sugar. Yeah. But the, the, the jerky, just cut it into thin, stripe, uh, thin slices Put some brown sugar, put some salt on there, put like some soy sauce, and then put on some of that uh, that imitation smoke. You put it on the lowest setting in your oven, which is like usually like 200. Leave it in there for 10, 12 hours. You can do it overnight. And when you get that stuff out, it is, it's amazing. And you can, it's pretty safe to eat after a couple hours. So what you want to do is by every two hours, go get a little bit more because it gets drier and drier. And you know, some of the moist stuff is really good. And by the time it dries out, it's, it's jerky. And it's not like your kind of typical beef jerky, you know, leather boot tough kind of, you know, jerky. It's good. It's nice and moist. Are there fish you won't eat, like, say, tilapia? Um, no. No. I haven't really tried any fish that I don't like. Tilapia, you can get you can get pretty uh, pretty reasonably at the, at the grocery store. Brad, Brad Gettner from TPFR said that is the one fish you, you know, yeah, you just because like. they eat poop, human poop and really? pig poop. All right. Well, if that was the case, no. Yeah. I mean, the ones at a four-mile run are probably probably edible, but they're in four-mile run. No, that's too close to that's too close to the Anacostia River. I'm not eating anything that, that that's close. The funny thing is, I lived in the South. I lived in Tennessee for like ten years. I never ate catfish. I don't think I've ever had catfish. The blue catfish last night. It, I mean, if I had a couple more drinks, maybe. But yeah, these guys had. It was a special. It was like a six-inch square in a bun. With a side of fries, pickle, and like, and they had Jersey sauce with it. Oh wow! And um, it looked good. I'm not gonna lie, but I went out for Japanese. Everyone at home right now is like, "Man, I'm getting so hungry." <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many people have started making food since y'all drooling. Who started this? <laughs> uh, let's see. What other fish questions? Any t- specific tools? Like, when, when, is there a fish spatula? Uh, yeah, actually, we've got one in our kitchen over there. They're huge. It uh, looks like a big fly swatter. They're, yeah. So you can get under there, scoop out the whole thing, and flip it over. Uh, grilling fish can be kind of tricky because uh, you want to put it on there once your grill is hot or else it's really going to stick to it and you'll make a mess out of your grill. Best thing to do is the cedar planks, uh, especially if it's salmon. Get those cedar planks. You want to get them moist. Uh, let them sit in water for a while. Take them out. Put your fish right on top. And then it's smoking it via the via the cedar and the, the grill. And when you take it off, you know, that grill is not, it's not all messed up. That, Gas versus charcoal. Oh, this is a whole different topic. <laughs> oh, man. 
I'll just say charcoal. Uh, all right, advantages to gas. It's a lot easier, a lot less time. It's easier to keep a consistent temperature. With charcoal, I love managing the fire. I love adding those different kind of hardwoods to it. And my opinion, don't really need a steady temperature as long as you know how long you want to cook it. So I'd say for the bulk of people, they, they love gas because it's easier. And you know, most people don't like to sit there and play the fire as much as I like to tend it, check on it every 15, 15 30 minutes. So that's, if that sounds like something you wouldn't enjoy, you know, gas is great. But charcoal, charcoal's the best. And most, a little flavor too. Most exotic or strange fish you've eaten? Um, I wouldn't say it's exotic, but you know, I love swordfish. Um, that's, I think it's like the steak of the sea. I mean, almost mm -hmm. it's like beef almost. It's that good. Uh, but you know, I haven't really tried a whole lot of ex exotic species or varieties or anything like that, but it's all, it's all pretty good. Pairings with fish. Um, white wines is typically the, the reflexive answer um beyond that you know if you're using some of those salty methods a dry wine would be good um but you know i'm not a sommelier i'm not going to pretend to be um two buck chuck or three buck chuck <laughs> what about very very white music <laughs> all of the above goes well all right and the funny thing is when, when you're talking about your your dish and you're serving it to people just start adding adjectives Every time you add an adjective, it makes it better. You can say homemade or hardwood smoke. It's not just smoked meat. It's hardwood it's smoke. cedar plank. Yeah, exactly. And then you can talk about the cedar from whatever forest or whatever region. People love that stuff. You just start adding some more adjectives. Number one, you could charge more for it. Number two, it tastes better. And uh, the final note I'll leave people on, food that you make tastes better. And if you're having people over, you get them involved in preparing food, they're going to think it tastes better too. You can't go wrong. All right. And if people want to hire you out for some catering? Um, yeah. Check me out on social media. I'll come over to your house. I'll cook for you. you uh, it's kind of funny. You know, a lot of people do ask, how, you know, how do you do some of this smoking or barbecue and stuff like that? And I always thought it would be fun just to show up at some people's house, get a group together and show them how to do some, do some smoking of meat and prepare some fish. And There's the guy in D.C. who's doing that with pot. Oh my god! He's charging like fifty bucks a head or something, mm -hmm. and he like shows you how to eat or cook or smoke it. And apparently, like he is booked around the clock because it's now legal in DC. Uh, you could be his, and then you could get them because they're hungry. You could you could team up with the guy. I have no idea what to say. To fish, ta <laughs> fish tacos. All Do you right. like fish I tacos? Think we'll, I think we'll end on that note. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's the Steel Reserve getting to me, folks. And I'm, I'm chipper because it's snowing. All right, once again, social media. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at J Isaacs Outdoors. It's the letter J Isaacs Outdoors. And if you want to stop in the shop and say hi, uh, we're there all the time. All right. Park is free. There you go, folks. All right, eat healthy. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information, or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.